You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Glad to be with you here uh, recording this on Thursday morning, the Angels off day. I I tell you what, I know I'm a day late, but I'll just say this. I am still trying to recover from the 13-inning marathon at the Big A yesterday. I mean, just so many things happened in that game, and we can talk about it if y'all want to. But uh, we got a lot to get to here on the show today. We're going to talk about the Angels' bullpen and some changes that have happened in the last couple of days and how it might play out moving forward. We'll talk about the success that a lot of guys are having down in double A. I don't know how many people are paying that close attention to what's going on with the Rocket City Trash Pandas, but all of a sudden, the Angels have a pretty dominant rotation going in double A. That's some really good news. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But first, I just want to talk about Shohei Otani for a moment. And he was the reigning American League Player of the Week for what he did last week. And I know on this podcast, we have talked a lot about Otani and the impact that he has made on this Angels team. I just want people to appreciate and take a moment to reflect and just enjoy the fact that I think we're seeing maybe one of the greatest seasons in the history of baseball. And I know that last week, Shohei Otani had six home runs and went six one-run innings against uh, the Detroit Tigers, but only to back that up by going six more one-run innings against San Francisco. So that's real. You do it against the Giants. You do it against the Tigers, that's one thing. You do it against the Giants, that's real. I just think it's incredible what we are seeing Shohei Otani do. And I was looking up some numbers about 1919 Babe Ruth, what he did that season. And, and Babe Ruth had a handful of years where he was a true two-way guy. And, you know, I was even – I've been watching documentaries lately trying to understand the Babe and his impact. And I would say the only difference is what the Babe did. Like, I'm not, you can't compare Otani to the Babe, even how the numbers might look how they look. But – First of all, he was pitching every four days. I mean, it was just different then. Uh, They threw a lot more. Pitchers threw a lot more, a lot more innings. He was way over 300 innings. Um, And then he was hitting on the days that he wasn't pitching. That part's the same. That that part's what Otani is doing now. Um, Except, you know, Otani's also hitting on days that he is pitching too, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, Obviously, the the babe was doing the same thing. There was no designated hitter back then. Uh, But I I think what's interesting about that was like when when Babe Ruth was hitting you know 50 home runs in a season the next guy was hitting like 12 home runs I mean so it's like you know now there's a lot of guys that hit a lot of home runs Otani is one of the guys hitting a lot of home runs it's great to see I'm so pumped that he's gonna be in the home run derby you know we talked about that with Mike Trout and and I didn't know at the time uh, that Otani was going to announce that he was going to be in the home run derby so it was interesting to me uh to kind of hear Mike Trout's perspective just from his own experience uh, 
uh, on our podcast last week about how that could impact Shohei Otani. If you haven't uh, listened to that yet, go check it out, angels.com slash podcast, basically wherever you found this one. Uh, just scroll down one, and it's the, the one right below this. Um, I just think it's pretty phenomenal um, what Shohei has done and the fact that He's going to be in the home run derby. It's going to be in Colorado. He hit a, a, the 500-foot-plus blast in batting practice. I don't know that we ever got an official tail the tape on that, but Shohei Otani's batting practice home run in Colorado back in 2018 might have been the farthest hit ball in the history of baseball. Um, who knows? But it is like, you know, and whatever it was, too, by the way, um, it, it's the story about the fish, right? It just keeps on growing and growing. The legend has grown. So while that might have been like a really big home run, and it was, and now it's being talked about like it was, you know, it bounced off the moon. Like you know, that's the thing about Otani and uh, the legend and the story. But you know, that that was the thing about Babe Ruth. And I'm, I'm I really don't want to compare Shohei to the Babe because they're just so so different in every way. And I don't know that. I don't know that the Babe was ever like a true two-way guy. I mean, he did it for a while. He did it for a handful of seasons. Um, but, you know, even in, in 1918, he really only did it like the last month. There, there were a lot of things that were unique about, you know, the Babe and, and why he was a two-way guy. And then he ended up walking a lot of dudes and then became just a hitter only and all that. So, I mean, I guess he's just a hitter. He's the greatest player of all time, arguably. He's certainly the greatest mythical player uh, of all time. The legend of Babe Ruth is the greatest, uh, you know, athlete in sports. But the thing about Otani is he is doing this in an era where it's just simply not done. And I think that's what we all need to take a moment to appreciate and respect. And the demand on Otani is so much higher. And that's what I thought was interesting about. You know, that's why I asked Mike Trout this last week. The demand of the All Star Game, like, what is expected of you? What do you got to do? And Mike says, hey, it's a lot, but you got to do as much as you can. You should try to be a part of as much as you want to be a part of. And Shohei Otani has opted to be a part of the Home Run Derby. And he's going to be a part of the All-Star Game as well. I mean, Otani is going to be an All-Star. It's going to happen. So we're going to see Otani two nights in a row. I just want to see Otani on the mound and hitting. In that all-star game. Like, how cool would it be to see Otani start the game on the mound and be the leadoff man? I would also subscribe to wanting to get Otani out of the game as fast as possible uh, once he does that. Hey, one at-bat, that's cool. Uh, you know, one inning pitched, that's cool. Do that, and uh, and we'll call it a day for Otani. Uh, but I would love to see it in the all-star game just because I think the attention that it's going to bring, uh, not just to Shohei, but to baseball in general. I think people want to see what Shohei Otani is going to do. He has become the most fascinating athlete in sports. And I've been saying this. I think he is the most interesting player in the world. And that is something that I've been talking about with Otani this whole offseason. And he's kind of been the key to how this whole thing is going to work. And with Mike Trout down and Anthony Rendon still not hitting to the level that you'd expect and so many other guys uh, you know, trying to help this team stay afloat with the bullpen woes that the Angels have had. And the starters are getting better, but the starters struggled for a while. Shohei Otani has put the Angels on his back, and he has helped them be a team that can hover around 500. At the time that we're recording this, the Angels are two games under 500 after they just got swept in that quick two games set by the Giants. But they were just over 500 a minute ago. And you know, this is a team that, that can be that and you just kind of hope that the Angels can somehow be 
in the 500 ballpark. Like, how great would it be if the Angels could be a game or two over 500 when you get Mike Trout back into the mix? And that's what's going to be so telling about the next couple of weeks. You're going to get great chances here. So, yeah, the June schedule has been pretty soft. You talk about, you know, four games against the Tigers. Angels won three of those four games. You were, you know, swept Kansas City, swept Arizona. Okay. And now it's time to face some teams that could be playoff contenders. You're catching Tampa at the right time. Tampa had a seven-game losing streak um, going. The Angels are gonna are gonna run into to Tampa Bay there and try to catch them when they're cold. And Tampa got hot against the Angels. That's what sparked their run last month here at the Big A with a four-game sweep. The Angels don't want to see that happen again. You know what's always funny, though, is Tampa traditionally has played really well in Anaheim, and the Angels have traditionally played really well in St. Pete. Um, I don't know how that has been. I don't know why that has been, but that has always seemed to be the case, and the Angels would like to see history continue on that front. And then you go to New York, and Shohei Otani, the way things line up, Otani could be on the mound in New York. So whatever you think the hype is for Otani now, and it is high, and it's deservingly high, if Otani has a big game in the Big Apple, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's going to be insane. It's going to get the attention of the whole world to another level, and you're going to see everybody. The, the, the whole East Coast stays up to watch Otani. Like whenever, whenever Otani's on in the day game, I think that's always good because you get more eyeballs on him on the East Coast. Like everybody out here realizes how dominant Otani is. Everyone out here realizes how amazing of a player, how amazing of an athlete, how amazing of a person Shohei is. Even down to check in the sticky stuff and the umpires being forced to put in these positions. I mean, you're seeing some guys have attitude on the mound and get upset and, you know, taking their pants off. And I admit, I, I know me. Like, I wouldn't like that if I was a pitcher. You know, it's the same reason why I don't like to take off my belt and shoes at TSA. I, hey, I paid for pre-check. I just want to be able to walk through. I don't want to have to go through the whole uh, charade of doing all this stuff uh, when I'm, I'm already, you know, trying to just get through here. I get why it has to be done, certainly. But, um, you know, there are sometimes uh, I handle that better than others. I, I am the first one to admit that. And then I see Shohei Otani, who just has so much joy. He is just so happy. Otani's always happy. It's it's like the greatest thing. And he, I mean, he's a competitor. Don't get me wrong, he's a competitor. But he just brings so much joy and emotion to the game. So much positive emotion. How can you not have fun watching Shohei Otani? I'm just blown away by how expressive he is. And this is something that we really did not see at any point in his career. I, I think that in 2018... I'm not saying Shohei was nervous. I don't think that that guy's got a nervous bone in his body. But I do think that there is a level of comfortability that comes with assimilation. And I don't know that Shohei had really assimilated into MLB at that point. Where he really felt like he was a part of... Not that he was a part of it, but I don't know that he was... He just wasn't quite comfortable yet. There were a lot of restrictions on him... He was being held back. They were all. Everyone was trying to figure out what to do with Otani. Quite frankly, and I don't know. I don't know that Shohei knew exactly uh, how that was all going to go. I don't know that Shohei totally knew what the plan should be. So that was the first thing. Um, 
that 2018 season. Then he gets hurt, and I, I don't know. I, he's not happy when he's hurt. So 2019, he was dealing with that. He wasn't going to pitch. Shohei was not getting to be Shohei in 2019. Then 2020 rolls around. He's still trying to recover, and he really struggled on the mound. He just was not right. The command was a disaster. He's still trying to figure himself out. At the same time, now keep this in mind too, and this is no small thing, Otani in 2020 is with a third manager in three years. So you're not getting any kind of consistency on that front, trying to figure it out. So then 2021 rolls around. The Angels come in with a new approach. Hey, no restrictions. You're going to go. You're going to play. Let Shohei be Shohei. Pitch, hit, do it on the same day. We don't care. We want you to be the best you possible. Be expressive. Do what you want to do. And he's owned it. You can just tell how comfortable Shohei is. He's so comfortable. He's so happy. He's so free. It's amazing watching him. I mean, you cannot help but notice how expressive he is and what he likes to do, you know, in the dugout and messing around with the guys. And, I mean, he just has fun. I said this before, I'll say it again. He is a walking meme. Look how much fun he's having all the time. And then that is so cool. Like I had a chance, uh, it was actually a week ago tonight, um, was Halo Honk Night here at the Big A when Roger Lodge, uh, you know, those that call in the Sports Lodge, you get your Halo Honk tickets, you go out, Roger goes up to the upper deck and hangs out with all the true fans up there. And it was just a party. And Roger uh, was generous enough to invite me to join uh, this time. And I had such a good time hanging out and meeting all kinds of fans and talking to kids. And, you know, I just, I I loved, you know, obviously Mike Trout is hurt right now. And and I asked some kids, who's your favorite player? And a lot of them still say Mike Trout. But I tell you what, way more than I expected said Shohei Otani. He's their favorite player. How can this generation not love him? Especially kids like, like in Little League, everyone's a two-way player. Everyone likes to pitch and hit and do all that. And you see it happen in high school all the time. Otani is now the model for that. And he's going to be, you know, I think we're going to see other two-way players moving forward. But I do think another part of this as well with Otani is he is so truly phenomenal at both hitting and pitching. I think you get to this level, you get to professional baseball, even before MLB. And I think teams really scrutinize and look for a player that might think they're a two-way guy to be a one-way player. You have to be so phenomenal at both, you're essentially making the decision impossible for an organization. Is Shohei Otani a better pitcher or a better hitter? I thought I could answer that before. In 2018, I would have said he was a better pitcher. Uh, in, in 2020, I was I would have said for sure he's a better hitter. Right now, I can't answer that. I don't know. See a better better hitter or a better pitcher? I have no idea. He's phenomenal at both. He is the Angels' best active power hitter. He's the Angels' best active hitter in general, and he's the Angels' ace. He's the best player that's available right now. And when Mike Trout comes back, it, it's going to be close. That's how phenomenal this whole thing is. You're talking about the best player in the world, by all accounts, for the last decade in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on the same team. And it's going to be hard to determine who is the better player. I just think what Otani is doing is the most sensational thing we've ever seen. And and it's just so unlike anybody else.
I don't know that we can even truly fathom the talent that Shohei Otani has to be able to be so dominant and so successful at both. He is the Angels' ace, and he's the Angels' best offensive threat. You cannot take him on the field, and he has not come off the field. He's got the freedom. He's got the fun happening, and he's putting up awesome numbers. Joey Otani has been the single greatest thing that has happened here in this 2021 season, not just for the Angels, but for all of baseball. It's been incredible, and this is the kind of season that we have not seen in a century and we'll be reading about and talking about for decades. Come to the ballpark, write it down, see it in person. Because someday you're going to want to tell your grandkids that you were there to watch Shohei Otani in 2021. I could talk for 10 hours about Shohei Otani and how impressive he is to me. Uh, But there are other guys on this Angels team, and I want to discuss a few things uh, for a minute. I want to shift gears to talk about the bullpen. Now, the Angels made a couple of moves um, in the bullpen where... Chris Rodriguez was sent down to double-A, and we'll talk about the double-A staff coming up in a moment. But in the process, Jose Quintana has been moved to the Angels' bullpen. And according to Joe Madden, he took it in stride. I mean, he, he took the news really well. He's like, hey, whatever it takes, I want to help the team. And you look at the numbers, like 0-3, 7.01 ERA this year. Quintana has not been good enough as a starter, especially when you have somebody else like Patrick Sandoval, who at least numbers-wise – has shown, and I think right now he's the Angels' second-best starting pitcher, numbers-wise. I mean, I'm sure Andrew Heaney would have something to say about that, uh, possibly Griffin Canning, too, and, and Alex Cobb. But, um, hey, uh, you know, Patrick Sandoval's been really good in the Angels' rotation. You feel good when Sandoval is on the mound, and that's a guy that has only two career wins, but uh, those two career wins have come in each of his last two starts. But Jose Quintana, just looking at the numbers – I know that on the season they don't look very good, but I have reason to be optimistic that he's going to be pretty good in a bullpen role, especially when you look at the way he is able to face guys the first time through. How about in the first inning, opposing hitters are hitting 229 against him? In the second inning, guys are hitting 235 against him. So you feel good about that, right? Early on in games, Quintana has been pretty good. The problem starts in the third when opposing hitters are hitting 361 against him. His ERA in the first and second inning, while not great, isn't awful. In the third inning, in the fourth inning, in the fifth inning, it just gets worse, worse, and worse. I mean, it's just, and it's hard. He's only been in the sixth inning um, one time this year. So for Jose Quintana, I I think having him in the bullpen, he's going to be able to throw probably a little harder. You're probably going to see the velo go up a tick or two. And then on top of that, I mean, the first time through numbers aren't bad. You now have another left-hander in the bullpen that you can feel good about. Um, I think that that is going to work because I think that helps on a number of levels. I think it won it. It obviously helps the Angels rotation that you're leaving Sandoval in it. But you're also addressing a need in the bullpen that has, quite frankly, struggled. I think right now, Rysel Iglesias has proven he is a dude. Like I think Rysel Iglesias is a great October pitcher. I mean, the fact that he can go multiple innings, and he can go multiple innings back-to-back days, he throws hard, he throws different pitches uh, different pitches to righties and to lefties, he can mix it up. Like, like To me, I mean, and he's not perfect, right? Rysel still makes mistakes. But to me, Rysel Iglesias 
is just exactly who you would want if you are a playoff team in a tight series trying to make a push to win a championship. Like, Rysel Iglesias is that dude to a T. There's not very many guys like him. There are so few really legit October closers, and Rysel Iglesias is one of them. It's hard to find that. Really hard to find that. The problem has been... Who's going to help the Angels get to Rysel Iglesias? How are the Angels going to get to a spot where Rysel can come in in the ninth inning and protect an Angels lead? That has been the hard part. We have seen better performances lately out of Mike Myers. I thought Mike Myers looked really good on Wednesday afternoon against the Giants. I think Myers has stepped up. But with Myers at the same time, there has been a lack of consistency. Myers can be really dominant. Then he can go into a funk where things are, are, are not good at all. And then he can bounce out of it. Like that's that's the thing about Myers. And then it's other guys that you're just trying to capture the very best of them. So you're trying to find a way to bolster this bullpen as best you can. And I do think that adding Quintana to it is going to make a difference. Um, I don't know if he's going to end up being a setup guy, but if you're in a late-game situation and you need a left-hander to feel really confident in to come get the job done, I think you can do that with Quintana. I don't think the moment is going to be too big for him. I think he'll be able to rise to that, and I do think he's going to be better uh, pitching just a couple innings at a time. And he's not going to be a long guy either. I mean, they're going to use him in short spurts. So I think that if you try to get the very best for one inning out of Jose Quintana, I actually think he can be pretty good. Um, he struggled as a starter this year. I mean, there is no denying that. You know, winless with an ERA over seven. That's not getting the job done. But I, I do see reason to believe that he can be pretty good in the Angels' bullpen. And I, I think the Angels are hoping that that works out and, and we go from there. It's, it's going to be a tough question on what to do um, with other rotation pieces, like Dylan Bundy, who was so great for the Angels last year. He was the Angels' best pitcher last year. He was even the Angels' best pitcher in April this year. But for whatever reason, that has escaped him. And you can really only wait so long with Dylan Bundy to try to get him to turn it around before you might have to make an adjustment to what's going on in your rotation and um, how you can you know, get this team to compete. At the end of the day, this is a performance business. And I love Dylan Bundy. I, I think he's I, – I, I love the way this guy competes. I love the grittiness. I love the toughness. Um, but for whatever reason, the last you know six, seven weeks, Bundy has struggled. And when you're trying to compete for a championship and you're in a, a tight race just to get to the playoffs, you're not necessarily afforded the luxury of time. So I really hope that Dylan can turn it around soon because I think this guy can be really good. But that's something that has to happen fast because the Angels gotta the Angels gotta keep getting good starting pitching performances, and we've seen Heaney improve, we've seen Cobb improve, we've seen uh, Griffin Canning improve. I think Sandoval has grown leaps and bounds, and Otani's an ace. That's your rotation. And by the way, in talking about Griffin Canning for a moment, I just want to go back to the value of Canning. While he is a very good pitcher. I think you need a guy like Canning on your team for a couple of other reasons when you get into emergency situations. The Angels were in like a desperate situation yesterday. When the Angels, you know, Kurt Suzuki gets hurt and the Angels are out of position players. You already don't have Justin Upton available. You already got a short bench. You're playing the National League game in an American League ballpark. I mean, the odds are stacked against you just from a roster perspective in a significant way yesterday. You have to be able to have dudes to try to get you through it. 
And by having Taylor Ward be able to catch yesterday, the Angels put Griffin Canning in left field. Now, is Griffin Canning a left fielder? No. But he's a competent athlete that can do the job out there. And I was even thinking there might be a situation where we see Griffin Canning pinch run. I mean, Griffin Canning was in the Angels' dugout. I want to say it was the ninth or 10th inning. And he was, like, starting to get loose, like, starting to get ready um, for who knows what he was going to be. And it wasn't to pitch. It was to be as just an emergency athlete. And sure enough, his name was called upon. So for those reasons, that's just another factor of why you want a guy like that on your team. And, and obviously, he, he's a good pitcher with good stuff. You want him in your rotation. But you want guys that can help you in a desperate situation like the Angels were in yesterday. And the Angels were able to get through. I mean, they had chances. The Angels really could have won yesterday's game three different times. Um, it just didn't happen. I mean, it's just so unfortunate uh, that that's not a game that they came away winners in. It would have been phenomenal on so many levels because of how just how stacked against them roster-wise that team was. Um, had they been able to get a win yesterday, it would have been like unbelievable that so many guys stepped up and uh, were able to make this thing happen. It just didn't. And, and you know, ultimately, um, you go through your best relief arms in big spots. At, the, at some point, there's going to be a breakdown. And, and that's what ended up happening um, in yesterday's game. So I'm, I'm not sweating at too much. I, I thought the Angels' bullpen actually has shown improvement uh, the last week or so, which is necessary. The Angels' bullpen has needed to improve, and it is. Um, so you just want to see that you know growth and development continue. Speaking of growth and development, I want to take a moment to talk about what's going on down in AA. You know, the thing that people have been asking me for years, who's coming up in the Angels system? Where are the Angels' arms? The Angels don't develop arms. The Angels don't have anybody. they got to bring somebody up. All this and that. Okay, let me just tell you about the Rocket City Trash Pandas and their absolutely dominant rotation. For one, they just added Chris Rodriguez to it. Um, as Chris Rodriguez is going to double-A, a chance to you know, be stretched out as a starter, it doesn't mean he can't come back as a reliever. It's important to know. He could come back as a reliever. But Chris Rodriguez can be a really good starting pitcher. And that is something that the Angels are, are now going to explore and just give him some time to develop. My gosh. I mean, yes, he was really good when he first came up here at the big leagues that first month. But this guy's got to grow, and this guy's got to get better. And the, the sky is the limit for Chris Rodriguez. I mean, his stuff plays. Chris Rodriguez's stuff is real. And you let him really grow in double A, and you can get him right back to the big leagues. And I, I get why you don't always see dudes go to triple A for that kind of pitching development. The PCL, which is now triple A West, is like an all-time hitter's league. Like You just don't want to send pitchers there. That can mess up a lot of stuff. And in some respects, in many respects, there's usually better talent at double-A. Talk about better prospects and, and guys that can make impacts on major league rosters. Generally, you see more of that in double-A than you do at triple-A across baseball. I think that that move for the Angels to send Chris Rodriguez to double-A to further develop is going to be really, really good for him. And he might not even be there that long. We'll see. But I I think that Chris Rodriguez can be special. There are three other guys in that rotation that are making an incredible impact. Obviously, the big one is the name that most people know, most Angel fans know about Reed Detmers. First-round pick last year from Louisville. 2-2 record, 3.34 ERA. Uh, Reed Detmers has so far in his first uh, professional season pitching uh, for Rocket City. How about this stat, though? 60 strikeouts in 35 innings. 
No, that was not a mistake. 60 strikeouts in 35 innings for Reed Detmers to this point. His last time out, he goes six frames, uh, gives up just three hits, two runs. They were earned, walked a pair, struck out 14 in a six-inning start his last time out. Okay, so for all you like math wizards out there, he got 18 outs. 14 of them were by strikeout. That's what Reed Detmers did his last time out. It was in game one of a doubleheader. And then in game two of the doubleheader, Kyle Tyler, a 20th round pick out of the University of Oklahoma, part of the 2018 draft class, he goes and he shoves in that game, goes a complete game, seven innings, a doubleheader, seven inning game. Uh, but Kyle Tyler has been phenomenal. How about his 4-1 record with a 1.96 ERA, and he's got 46 strikeouts and 46 innings. So Kyle Tyler is making an impact at A. And then the guy that's the reigning A South pitcher of the week is Cooper Criswell, a six foot six right-hander, former 13th round pick out of the University of North Carolina, the Tar Heel, his last two times out, has given up just two earned runs in 15 and two-thirds of an inning. And he struck out 19 along the way in those last two times out. So obviously, we know Chris Rodriguez, we know how good he can be, and he's going to get better in A. But then you factor in Detmers and Tyler and Criswell. All of a sudden, there are some real arms putting up real numbers in Double A. That's no fluke. There's a there's a far cry from rookie ball or even single A. I think that the the jump from high A to Double A might be the biggest jump other than Triple A to the major leagues. I really think that that, that is significant. And for those guys to be having that kind of success in Double A uh, is really encouraging to me. There are some real arms in the Angels system that they are developing. Guys that the Angels have drafted, that guys that are getting the right coaching, the right training, the right development to make an impact the big league level. It's been a long time coming for this Angels team, but we are starting to see it. It takes time. That does not happen overnight. It takes time. But you're seeing it with the Angels happening right now. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks to Hannah Stang for all her help in helping get this show on the air. Angels on the road this week, three games in Tampa, three games in New York. And then they are back home July 2nd when they begin a three-game series with the Baltimore Orioles before three more with the Red Sox early the next week, including a 4th of July game. That'll be fun. Angels will then finish up the first half with a three-game set the following weekend in Seattle. And then it is show A at the All-Star Game, especially in the home run derby. How cool is all of that going to be? Hey, have a great rest of your day. My name is Trent Rush. You can check out our radio show after each and every Angels home game. But for now, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast.